0: there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me, Three Steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started.
1: I mean, I'm one of seven kids, so I have plenty of victims to where the creations i create. praying. <laughs> I mean, whether they wanted them or not, they were all awful.
0: Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my longarm quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. Here's where I spend lots and lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean absolutely nothing to you, it's basically doodling on a quilt top with a 50-pound pencil with needle and thread attached. So this week, some of the designs I've quilted are oak leaves, uh, dainty little whimsical hearts, and a very patriotic quilt of valor. But today, I'm taking a well-deserved coffee break to visit with Krista Moser. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hey, I'm Will. And I'm Dave. We're The Will and Dave Show, a small podcast where we talk about the things that matter to us, whether that's politics or social issues or pop culture. We are on opposite ends of most every discussion we have and yet at the end we always find a little bit of common ground. So check us out at www.thewillanddaveshow.com or on YouTube or
1: wherever fine podcasts are found. And now back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there.
0: Here's a simple trick for those of you that are long armors. Often when you place your clamps or whatever stretching apparatus you use on the right and left-hand side of your quilt. Those will sag a little bit just from the weight of the clamps and perhaps you've got lots of excess backing going on there and that can kind of get in the way of the free movement of your long arm when you get close to those edges. So really simple tip, get some type of long stick like could be a yardstick, could be a stiff piece of cardboard, could be a simple piece of small PVC pipe, and just run that from your front belly bar rail to the back rail underneath your stretcher straps. And you can kind of shift them right and left a little bit, just so that they hold those clamps up high enough that they get out of the way of the free movement of your machine. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Susan where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me get a better microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thank you so much for your support, and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Today I have in my studio Mm -hmm. with me Krista Moser. She is the creative force and inspiration behind Krista Moser The Quilted Life. A sewing enthusiast and quilt pattern designer, she's published dozens of patterns since 2016 with more in development. She's the designer of the Creative Grids 60 Degree Diamond Rulers and has been teaching sewing and quilting lessons for more than 25 years. She's known for her easy to follow directions and highly visual illustrations. Her quilts are fresh and exciting with clean lines and simple construction techniques. She's wild about all things quilting and loves to share her passion. And we get to hear about that passion today. So tell us some of your story and where you got started. I know you didn't start with making quilts, but where did you begin?
1: Yeah, that's right. I actually started in the garment world. So um, as a kid, I was eight when I started with a sewing machine. And um, a big part of that process was actually uh, because I have a learning disability, I'm dyslexic. And so I was wildly creative, but couldn't read. And, um, And because I couldn't read, I really struggled in school. My parents kind of noticed that, and my dad, who's also um, dyslexic and an architect, he's actually the one that picked up on it, and he just Mm -hmm. said to my mom, you know, we've got to get her into something creative, because she will excel there, and then the rest will just come, you know, as it does. And so my mom, she didn't sew. She hadn't used her sewing machine in like 15 years. She dusts it off and, and gets it out of the closet and puts me in a kid's sewing class after finding this in like the community newspaper Mm -hmm. where she just opens it up and says oh maybe she'll like sewing you know and (laughs) signs me up and i was like so crazy about it right from the start i mean just just it was like day one and it was and it was only an hour and a half class once a week and i could not wait from week to week to get to the next you know time that i could be there to sew because i was just so hooked and I couldn't read any of these instructions, you know. In this time, it was garments, so. I couldn't read any of the garment instructions. You know, I could cut the pieces out, but really relied on the instruction from the the teacher. And then when I would work on my own, um, I couldn't read the pattern instructions. And my mom kind of thought that maybe that would motivate me to learn to read. She didn't really understand the dyslexic thing. So she actually kind of thought it would maybe it would be the catalyst that would push me to, like, really learn to read. But instead, what it pushed me to do was design because i couldn't read and so i was just forced to make stuff up and so it became very natural for me to just design right from the start and um and make everything up and so that was like the garment world for me for four years i did hundreds of garments a year like hundreds of garments a year i mean i'm one of seven kids so i have plenty of victims to wear the creations <laughs> <I've> create. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whether they wanted them or not, they were all awful for years, but I didn't care. I mean, in in most cases, they didn't care either. It was just like you're making something. And and I was absolutely fearless when it came to working with crazy fabric or anything. I mean, it was like you go through the fabric store and I had worked with everything from the basic cotton all the way up to towards the end. I was making clothing out of um, clear plastic. Like picnic
0: table vinyl. (laughs) Well, you know, water resistant clothes. (laughs) But how absolutely (laughs) genius of your parents to see that there's more than one way to get excited about learning, right? And I've often said that kids learn like the best time to learn a craft that's a bit exacting is when you're a child because you are fearless. You're not intimidated by it and you don't really care how it turns out. So it doesn't trouble you to have to make a mistake over and over again. No biggie. Yeah, Yeah, there's
1: no, there's no comparison to other kids doing the same thing. I mean, there were other kids doing that in the same class, but it's like you're not comparing your seam structure to theirs. You're just admiring what you've made and showing it off to all your friends. It was, it was absolutely what I needed. It was so awesome.
0: That's awesome. And you were teaching by the time you were 12?
1: Yes, so oh this goes on. Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking this kid's sewing class for all these years and spending every second of my day that I wasn't, you know, in school or otherwise – sewing. And so by the time I was 12, the teacher actually asked me if I would take over teaching the kids sewing class. She had gotten more of a permanent position with the school district. And so she said, hey, Krista, would you, you know, would you want to take on this, this student group, which were most of them were, were even just about my age or a little younger. And um, I thought, sure, you bet, you know, like, (laughs) don't get paid for this. It wasn't much, but I'll show them what I know. And so I started teaching this, um, kids' class. And I did that for a couple of years. It was so much fun. And then this whole time, the shop that this was all held in, which had been just a small town fabric store, kind of started to turn into a quilt shop. And so it actually started to evolve and they started bringing in quilting fabric and quilting patterns. And then um, pretty soon making samples and whatnot for the shop, they asked me as I'm teaching the kids' class, you know, would you like to make samples for the quilt shop? And I thought, Sure, you know it's all straight seams. seams.
0: What could be difficult it, about it?
1: <laughs> yeah, in the garment world, the straight seam is five eighths of an inch. Yeah. In the in the in the quilting world, the straight seam is a quarter of an inch. I was convinced everything was going to fall apart in the quilting world because I just thought there's no way that that's structurally sound at a quarter of an inch. Anyway, they were giving me the fabric, so I thought, you bet, you know, like I'll make anything if I don't have to buy the fabric because I was going broke as a twelve year old to support my habit. <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs>
0: So, no, that yeah, never changes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I started making samples for the shop and that's how I ended up as a quilter was was making those, those first samples.
0: Um, so I think the first pattern of yours that I was introduced to actually was fanfare. After it was a block of the uh-huh. month and you released it as a standalone pattern. That's yeah. the first one of yours that I made. And of course, yeah. all your quilts have one thing in common. Tell us about that.
1: The 60 degree angle. So everything is done. I mean, with and you think about that and that's like all the popular shapes, right? So triangles, equilateral, every side's the same. Hexagons, trapezoids, parallelograms, um, diamonds. So all of those shapes in a 60 degree angle fit together like a puzzle in one form or another. And so every one of my patterns... They're wildly different looking because some Mm -hmm. of them are very simple and just a couple of shapes. And then some of them are very intricate with quite a few different shapes that all go together. And um, yeah, but they're all the 60 degree angle.
0: Right. And I think the second one of yours that I made, and now I've made it repeatedly, is Bumblebee Blossoms. And that must be one of your most popular patterns. It is so stunning and serendipitous that it teamed up so well with the Ombre Blossoms fabric that was coming out right then, too.
1: Yeah, no kidding. So you've made more than one of that. Oh, yeah. That I is, think I've made three. <laughs> I've, I've heard that from so many people. That is such a yeah. fun pattern. People, it is. They email, they email me and they say, oh, my gosh, this was like this was like the best pattern. I was so sad when it o- was over. I'm ready to make another one. It's funny. I mean, of all the patterns that I've designed, that one seems to be the one people really, it like becomes a friend or something while they're mm-hmm. working on it.
0: <laughs> and it's a perfect example of the way So many of your patterns look complex. You know, at Mm -hmm. first glance, looking at the picture, you're like, how in the world does this all come together? But when you break it down into the steps, easy peasy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, the other thing, too, is that you have probably noticed with my patterns, extremely visually um, uh, cohesive. Like like the illustrations, they're just a ton of illustrations. And that comes from my... um, dyslexic past, you know, like that comes from Mm -hmm. dyslexia and being extremely visual learner. And so not being able to read words, I was like, when I started designing patterns for the quilting world, I thought the last thing we need is a page of just text, like what we need. I mean, we're all mostly in the quilting world, visual learners. And so it just was a very natural thing for me to think in form of like pictures and how to convey instruction with illustrations. And then and then the words are important because you do need some things, but like really, I have people from around the world that do not speak English that say, I do your patterns because I don't actually have to read them.
0: <laughs> True. And you know, there there is a gift for you to be able to do that. I actually recently made a, a baby nest of all things and, you know, serving YouTube and looking for instructions and pattern and whatever. The best one I found was in Russian and I used that tutorial because she showed so well. Yeah. But I didn't need the language at all. So Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. So kudos to you for figuring that out in your patterns. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So how (laughs) do you go about choosing your color palettes? Because you do such a wide range of things in your projects.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I only have, like, two tricks. And I always tell people that when I teach classes and do, you know, lectures. It's like I have two tricks. And one of them is um, light to dark. So ombre fabrics are kind of printed that way, obviously. Mm-hmm. But even in so many of my other patterns, if I'm doing a collection of something, I do that light to dark thing. I will pick I will pick colors in a shade, you know, if I'm like, I'm gonna do a simple palette, it might only be a four color quilt, technically, right? So coral, turquoise, gray, and um, like a mustard gold or something, think that. And then, so it's like basically four colors, but then I will just choose in those colors like three or four shades of that color. So, so visually, you get a really interesting looking quilt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because you've got like four shades of different mustard gold all the way from light, which is kind of a buttery gold, actually, all the way to dark. And then coral, same thing. So you just, it's visually a really simple look, but it is still interesting. Interesting because um, it's
0: almost dimensional when there's that many shades. It makes it alive.
1: Yeah, yeah. Keeps your eye moving around and you pick up on different things. And um, so that's one of my tricks is just kind of going light to dark um and that might be like like you said scattered around or or doing strip sets where i will actually place these colors side by side light to dark and then cut from you know a strip set that is shaded light to dark like that um and then of course i've used ombre fabric quite a bit but i mean most of the time when it comes to a color palette it's always starts with an idea in my head i'm just I see something, I see a design, I figure out the design, and then I do all of, you know the mathy bits and work with my scraps to make sure the blocks work out. And then I go for um, my fabric choices. And I almost always am inspired by something, an image of something. Oftentimes it has nothing to do with quilting. It might be like, um, oh, it might be the cover of a home decor magazine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I will, I'll grab that image, and it's like, I like something here. I like the color composition here. And so I'm going to kind of, I'm going to use it as my base and work with it. What is it that I like about this image so much that I will derive, you know, into the quilting world? So I have a good little collection of those images in my phone. You know, I'll snap pictures of stuff all over the place. And then I just put them in my little inspiration file. And when I want to pull them up to use them for this or that, you know, pattern, how That's did we
0: ever like. do inspiration before we had smartphones? <laughs> like I'm a long arm <laughs> quilter, right? And I do the same thing. Like it can be the carpet in my hotel. It can be, yes. you know, the wooden molding <laughs> in a fancy restaurant or the upholstery yes. in a restaurant. I've done that before. Yes. Yep. Yes. Snap a picture, take that home and yep. make a quilting design out of it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Love yep. the smartphone yep. for that. <laughs> Best way to do it. <laughs> oh. So let's see, what tips have you got for quilters, I guess specifically working with your patterns, but in general, but your <coughs> yours do have a lot of angles and bias edges. Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. any great tips mm-hmm. for us there? Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's not, it's, it's not difficult, but it is something you have to be like almost methodical about, and that is putting, you know, if you're working with biased edges, which think triangles. Um, triangles typically have two biased edges and one straight of grain edge, and you're almost always putting those up against something else that either has a straight of grain or a bias. So whenever possible, I put my biased edges together to sew the seam. If I can, you know, in this case, a 60 degree triangle, you can rotate it so it can be turned in any direction to get your, your edge, um, matched up the way you want but um that's not always possible so sometimes if it's bias meets straight then definitely put your bias towards your feed dogs and that is I mean just don't skip that step like but mm-hmm. like doing that when you're piecing it 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 people think it doesn't make that much of a difference they say oh well I starch my fabric you know and that should do it I'm telling you it just it makes that much of a difference it, I agree what you put your, yeah
0: and with so many things in quilting, like it's a tiny difference, but multiplied a hundred or 200 yep. or 500 yep. times across your quilt. That yep. makes a difference. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. So yeah, that would be, I mean, as far as piecing with the the angles like that, putting your bias toward your feed dogs, always, always, always. And then um, a quarter inch accuracy, you know, that's another one. It's like I, we'll step one in class. That it's like, all right, you know, start your engines, turn your machines on. Take two strips. We're gonna sew them together. Press that seam open and measure. What does it measure? Because it does not matter that you say, "Well, I cut accurately," because you might have, mm-hmm. and you say, "I measured my my needle position from the the edge, and it says it's a quarter of an inch, and it mm-hmm. probably is." Yeah. The 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 like the diehard, tried and true. Is it the right size once sewn?
0: (laughs) Because honestly, (laughs) even the tiniest variation in fabric type, like think of a lawn versus an Essex linen. That will make a lot of difference in your seam allowance once you fold it, you know, in the seam. And so, like you say, sew it, press it, measure the finished result. Yes, that's it. it.
1: That's it. It's the finished result. And so then we make adjustments from there in every single class it's like that's the first thing i do so i have it dialed in on my machine exactly where the needle is you know and that's something that i know but that is a thing in especially when with when working with angles because you know you sew these triangles together and the edge can be off if it's if it's a needle width or a thread width or something your edges won't line up anymore Mm -hmm. and you go to sew that unit to the next unit and it is a compounding problem so yeah those are pretty pretty simple and honestly that's good for almost any quilt it's just what's the true measurement so Mm -hmm. sew, press measure
0: yep exactly right so let's see you've covered how to prep quilts already I do think that pressing is super super critical no matter what pattern you're doing so got any tips for us and like do you use steam or not steam do you have a preference that way or any other great tips for pressing
1: yeah well I'll tell you I never um I never lost the steam the love of steam from the garment world
0: (laughs) I'm with you there I'm agreeing
1: yeah I'm a I'm a hard I'm a hardcore steamer and um and I get very flat blocks that way are you a clapper user um. No. No. However, I do. Um. I do have a wool mat, and I just got uh, like something like a clapper. It's you know just, and I've only ever used it a few times. But I mean, I'll use um, I use steam on my wool mat, and I know they say you're not supposed to, but uh, sh don't tell anybody.
0: Well, I mean, I don't. <laughs> like, I don't know that it kills it, but it does kind of smell nasty.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the barnyard going on. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I steam and then uh, I use a little best press or some kind of like a light spray starch. Right. You know, once the block is finished, that's kind of when I do that. Um, I don't typically do it like multiple times during piecing. But yeah, I, I seem and I just am really cautious not to warp things, especially yeah. when working with strip sets. You know, I have a um, an ironing board cover that has grid lines um, on it. And so I will use that to lay my strip sets out. On the grid lines, press them so they're very straight, you know, the whole process. I'm not twisting them from side to side, which is a big problem if you're using steam. I
0: confess I have not done that, gotten a grid on my ironing board. But Mm. I do have a rectangular ironing surface. And just having those straight lines is uber helpful for a quilter. Because regular ironing boards are made for garments. They have curved edges on purpose, you know, to fit inside armholes and things like that. They're not made for quilts, so... The (laughs) simplest rectangular surface covered in, you know, a layer of batting and fabric will do. But that straight edge is a world of good,
1: and not and not stretching.
0: I think that's absolutely critical. Not distorting things. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you're you're not ironing. You're pressing. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep, that's right. Yeah, for sure. All
0: right. Well, I am looking forward (laughs) to seeing your new patterns that are in the pipeline, so to speak. (laughs) Um, I've I've got so many. Have you, can you give us any clues or tips or any teasers?
1: Well, so I've got one that's actually done, 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 printed, like done back from the printer and sitting because I started it before Christmas and it had full intention of getting it out by the end of the year. That didn't happen. It's very seasonal. So it's going to wait till next year.
0: Well, <laughs> so sometimes that, that happens. Just, now you're ahead yeah, of the well, game.
1: <laughs> exactly so now i'm working on all my spring stuff and if you've seen me um like what I posted on instagram uh recently is um you know Jen kingwell lolly fabrics that are they they're, they're cute right but people yes. don't know what to do with them because I have this black strip that's that's um printed on them and um so I actually utilize that black strip and so that pattern is coming out it'll probably be about two weeks it's just about ready to go off to the printer so that's coming out and then I have three more after that that'll be here before like in the queue Designs. some of them they're all in different stages of design so wh- some of them have very real pattern concepts and some of them are still in my head <laughs> so that's gonna be so it like, truly really, is a pipeline <laughs> it is a pipeline I'm like I know I have the concepts and everything is just waiting for the amount of time that it takes to actually work them out into right. you know the right. design process so right yeah by 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 midsummer, I'm thinking, the next three will be out. Good. and
0: uh, Yeah. Look yeah. forward to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, take a second and tell our listeners where they can find you, maybe on your website and social media. I will post in the show notes um, all of your links to all your places, your store and sure. your YouTube channel and things like that. But share at least one or two where we can find you.
1: Yeah. Well, most everything is just my name. So kristamoser.com is my website. And You might blog. want to spell
0: that in case... Oh, Folks don't that's know.
1: true. It's Krista with a K. K-R-I-S-T-A-M-O-S-E-R. It's not uh, it's not very
0: difficult. Not complicated, just, but there's just options how it out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's my website and all the patterns are there all tips and tricks I do a lot of tutorials I do a weekly blog that comes out on Sundays and that um, comes out um, on the on the website and then of course you can subscribe and um, also YouTube that's something that I started this last year I guess probably a year ago maybe a little more than a year ago and it's just going great I mean I I get to show like a lot of just just sort of mini tutorial things so that's my name too, just Krista Moser on YouTube Um, what else? Instagram. I'm thinking there's Etsy. I mean, if you're looking for patterns, yeah, Etsy. Etsy's a place to
0: website. go, or your website. Yeah. Well,
1: website. Yeah, website. Probably. I think there's actually, yeah. Unless you're a diehard Etsy user, but yeah, those. And I'm trying to think what else. But
0: your website is great because then you have the rulers the there and stuff too, right? That's
1: true. Yeah. They'll I don't know. With? I don't know if those are available on Etsy. So yeah, <clears throat> the website has more of that. Yeah, all the rulers. There's the mini and the. the large um diamonds and and honestly those
0: two rulers are so versatile i mean i use them for your (laughs) patterns obviously but also for many other things because as you say the hexi the rhombus all those shapes are very popular right now so they come in super handy
1: yeah, I know. And and you know what I like about it? So many people send me their creative ways that they're using them. So it's pretty clear to me it's intuitive enough that people are like, ah, I got it. And then mm-hmm. they're able to go use it for something else. And that is that is a you know, result. They're not, yeah, they're <laughs> not relying on a pattern to show them exactly what to do with it. It's like, mm-hmm. nope, I got the concept. This is great. So excellent.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You have truly shared your passion for quilting with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show.
1: It was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks Talk so much, Krista. Soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.
0: And thank you for tuning into the show. For information on classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website stitchedbysusan.com. If you're a long-arm quilter and looking for freehand tips, Take advantage of the live and unscripted episodes on my Facebook page, Stitched by Susan. Replays are also available on my YouTube channel, also Stitched by Susan. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. All these direct links can be found in the show notes below. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.